The one thing that CEOs are missing in their companies, and the one thing that all leaders want to see in the people that they're developing as leaders, is something that we're not teaching, and it's bravery and honor. You're listening to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast with leadership speaker and consultant, Nicole Greer. Hey, everybody. This is Nicole Greer. Welcome to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Today, I have with me none other than Don Schminka. I am so excited to have him here today. He is super wicked smart, and he's got a great perspective on leadership. Welcome to the show, Don. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. So uh, you're you're out traveling about on the planet. He even put together uh, a temporary uh, room for him to be in to show up with us today. So I'm really excited about that. So thank you for all your effort to be on the Vibrant Coaching Podcast. So right out of the gate, I love to get people's perspective on leadership. So Don, tell me, what is your definition of leadership? Creation of followers. There you go. There you go. Short and simple creation of <laughs> followers. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, right. you know, you have this really cool background. You uh, were at MIT, correct, as mm-hmm. a planetary physicist. Well, first of all, what does a planetary physicist do anyways? Tell us what that is. Looking around, trying to figure out what it all means. <laughs> okay. So looking at that big bang theory and all that, right? I bet. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay, well, how does an MIT planetary physicist end up training CEOs? How did that all happen? Tell us your story. It was sort of a circuitous path because the the path, because what I went through is I didn't know anything in my business at the time. I left uh, MIT and I was, I went to Johns Hopkins to do my graduate work there and I ended up teaching there and I ended up getting involved with uh, people on the executive education programs. And what really enticed me, it was really, uh, I think I love looking at things that we don't have answers to yet because I just like right. learning. I love learning and I love doing research. It's just, I'm, uh, I'm a chronic researcher. And so uh, I found out they were all complaining and a lot of what they were complaining about were like the latest management theory that the CEO or their boss or somebody was trying to implement. And it turned out that this was a this was a continuous pattern, where um, they couldn't wait till the boss read a new book because they knew there was going to be chaos, and then followed by failure of this intentionality. So I thought, let's take a look at that. And um, so fortunately, I was around a lot of different people that had multiple scientific platforms that I could rely on. And and being a scientist myself, I I had a, a lot of avenues to explore. So we put together some anthropologists and evolutionary psychologists and geneticists to look at the high failure rate of management theory. And it was interesting because nobody was talking about it. I mean, except in academia, like if you go to Google Scholar and just type in, which is a whole secret place of Google. (laughs) If you haven't used it, yeah, Google Scholar has all the research uh, publications uh, amassed in one area. And just type in management theory failure, you get like over 4 million hits. And I was like, well, why is, no one talking about this in the general public. But for me, I found it was interesting. And we started putting together and testing some things that people hadn't thought about before. Like, you know, what if we already know what leadership is? And I started doing a test and I found out that most executives do. Most people, if you say, what's great leadership, they can give you a whole list. 
like they could teach a course in it. I said, well, why are you buying leadership books? <laughs> so I don't know. I'm just asking dumb questions. But then I was looking at um, why is it the success list of these great companies we all admire only lasts like 18 months? Like, like why are we buying these best-selling books when the companies don't stick around? So we decided to do autopsies. And in studying the dead, we came up with some fascinating models that apparently Alexander the Great used and Genghis Khan and Caesar. And so I thought this is wonderful. So we began applying them in businesses and sales doubled, tripled, and in some cases went up 10 times. So that's when I thought we must be onto something because they're really excited. <laughs> and that was Absolutely it. Absolutely exciting. Yeah. So that was how I got here. And um, I got a lot of support from some great people. I mean, Oxford University gave me permission to use an ancient manuscript that where they were doing a lot of this. And it was a samurai, uh, 700 year old management. Um, it, it was a leadership training manual, really. And then when I published that, it went into a dozen languages. Then I'm on CNN and I had no idea what I just stepped into. But that's what I do. I just I love researching. I love teaching and in teaching. And I'm, I'm, you know, means like, you know, speaking or working with companies directly and more recently, online uh, executive education. So we just we just released a set of uh, exec ed courses uh, for people to take, and I'm loving. It. I just love teaching, and that's what I do. And I love being with people like you who are out there to spread the word and 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 you know get new ideas out there to the population. So thanks, thanks for having me. Well, I'm delighted. So I, I want to understand, um, you know, a little bit about that leadership uh, samurai transcript or manuscript that you had. Can you tell us a little bit about what it said and like maybe how people put it to work? Yeah, when we, when we went and did the autopsies, and there's a couple of books that are that are looking at, uh, I know, um, Moore, who wrote The Crossing the Chasm theme, he's got a new book out on, oh, what is it? Something around chaos. Oh, I should have the name in front of me. But uh, if you look up Moore's work, he ended up tracing market capitalization declines of these leading companies and eventual death. And there's a whole list of them. And so from looking at this kind of research, I began to realize when I looked at the failed change programs and the failure of companies, a lot of them died needlessly. And I found out that all this change resistance and silos and, uh, you know, backstabbing and gossip, you know, all, the, all this dysfunctional politics that we all, all are aware of. I mean, they make movies about this stuff. They do television shows about this stuff, like The Office, right? I mean, people think it's a comedy and I, I'm like, no, it's documentary. So, um, <laughs> so what, I, what I ended up doing is finding out what's the root cause. And the root cause of all these failed leadership efforts was because of this dysfunctional political behavior. But underneath that was actually an artifact of genetic warfare. And that was fear and selfishness. So we thought if we can take fear and selfishness out of an organization, could it increase its performance by their own measurements, by double or triple? And that's exactly what we found out. Fortunately, when Oxford gave me permission to use that ancient manuscript, the samurai had figured out how to do that. And so they were teaching something we don't teach today, and that is how to get rid of fear and selfishness. So, and so when I it kind of took off because when COVID hit, I had like, you know, what do I do now? And people were like, put it online. So we did this becoming samurai course, right? And uh, it was like a nine week course and I put it up there. I said, okay, here it is. And then it just, it just took off. And I think 
I think what it was, and as a coach, you know this, because this is what you leave people through anyway, right? It's getting in touch with your fears. And then there was this dimension of death. And the samurai were kind of known for, you know, their, their physical ritual suicide. But in their manuscript, the training manual was really around death of the ego, which they call the evil spirit. So the whole thing about death was looking at what are we hanging on to that's stopping us from living? And, um, and then we go into a section called how to die properly, which is really the, the letting go of that stuff. So this, so it was kind of like ancient coaching, right? I mean, when you think about it, it was like the, the and somehow it got lost, but now it's, you know, coming, coming back, of course. So that's really the, that's what I loved about it. And when an organization, like when a CEO get his organization or her organization to just teach people to die properly, let go, you know, get the ego, get the, but the evil spirit out of the way, have fear and selfishness vanish. It's an amazing organization speed of decisions, speed of execution, alignment. So I, lo I loved it. So we just keep researching that and um, having fun. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So I work with a tool called the Tilt. And mm -hmm. that work is by a woman named Pam Boney. And in there, she talks about how you have to move ego out. And so the fears that she speaks about are... Um, you know, the fear of not being approved, the fear of not having security, the fear of not ha achieving, um, mm -hmm. things like that. What, what are the fears um, associated with the samurai where he wants to, you know, let that die? What, what are the, the specific fears they talk about in there? I think that's really interesting because I totally agree. I, when you said things go faster, faster, I got the speed of trust in my mind by Stephen Covey Jr. like immediately. Mm -hmm. So everybody write that down. That's an excellent book as well. But what are the fears that, and how do we actually let them go? This is so fascinating. Oh, the, um, the fears all are, you know, the genetically based. I mean, we, we're a grouping species. If we're not part of the group, we die. And so therefore we want to look like we achieve. We want to like we want to, well, we want to be liked, right? We, we want to be a valuable part of the group. And when we lose that, or we think we're losing that, it ends up causing a lot of political behavior. So when we looked at these dysfunctional behaviors, they were all appropriate behaviors, appropriate to the ego, appropriate for genetic warfare, which is basically staying alive so you can replicate your data. And um, what was neat about that is once we understood it's, it's, it's primal, source, um, we could now look at how to eradicate it. And I think the neurological shift was that a leader has to create, and we stole this from the Vikings. Um, we stole everything from ancient leaders, so I'm not taking any credit for this. That's okay. They're not around anyways. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they, uh, they, they created this thing called like a, a compelling saga to, to put a name on it. And that was really the thing I think the samurai were trying to teach is how can you have a cause that's greater than your ego so you commit suicide to the ego's agenda? So how we get rid of it is, of course, doing that. And when you look throughout history, it was very evident, you know, masses of people coming together for a cause mm -hmm. that they're willing to die for. So this is the oldest message. Uh, so these fears are all the oldest fears. I mean, we've struggled with them since, you know, Socrates, Aristotle. I mean, you just go back through history. It's not new where our bodies are still, you know, 20 million years old and they're still functioning that way. So, but getting in touch with that, I just, I got a lot of um, 
I've learned a lot from people like David Buss, who did a lot of pioneering work, probably one of the best evolutionary psychologist researchers out there. And um, yeah, I mean, I wish I could make it more complicated, but it wasn't. It's who we are. It worked. Selfish and the afraid stayed alive longer. And now we're here. And but we're trying to run a company. And how do you get rid of this evil spirit? And I think that's where the death comes in. So we're dealing with management theories that have been lasting for 5,000 years. And we're putting, it's neat because we we're, we're putting more, I think, um, insight into that. Because you see a lot of books on, you know, you know, start with why or, you know, how do we, which actually interesting, he came out of the concentration camp, the Nazi uh, work with um, Viktor Frankl, which I thought was, wow. I mean, you know, even in these laboratories that are the most, hideous you know we still find part of ourselves that has been there for thousands of years and all we're doing is codifying it allowing ceos and executives to use it to grow their businesses faster and uh, and doing it in a way that contributes to the world healthy employee uh, behavior and all those things that we really want out of the group we uh, want to be with yeah so um this becoming Becoming Samurai. Did I get yeah. it right? I want to make That's sure it. the listeners hear it. Okay. Yeah. And they can uh, and they can visit your website to sign up and be part of this course. So what yeah. what is yeah. what is your website address? It's a saga leadership.com. S-A-G-A, which we stole from the Vikings. Okay, very <laughs> saga good. Sagaleadership.com. And uh, yeah, and in there, uh, you know, one of the one of the clicks they can go to is to the Becoming Samurai program. And it's kind of neat. And, and we, we did it in a way to engage even their, their managers. So it, when they get in touch with their fears and, and, and the death, what they're attached to, they have an exercise. They have to go to their manager and say, hey, what are you seeing in me? Right, right. What is it like to experience me? That was the, yeah. before we started the show today, Don yeah. and I were talking about uh, coaching and I was telling him my favorite question out of the gate to ask any executive I'm coaching yeah. is, what is it like to experience you? Right. And, um, you know, yes. uh, I, we were talking about how the evil spirit could show up, right? And leaders yeah. may have no idea that that evil spirit showing up because their ego is so strong because they're afraid of whatever right that's exactly yeah and when you said that to me i'm thinking that's a brilliant question because it really is nobody ever asks that question right and so it's good it's a good step in the journey yeah yeah absolutely okay so tell me this what was the pivotal moment when you realized something was missing and needed to be addressed i mean i know you said you were working at mit and that kind of thing but was there a, a moment that you like oh I'm going to, I'm going to work on leadership now. What was that moment? I think um, I, before I was teaching at Johns Hopkins, I think there was a moment where I went to uh, Dr. Kathy Trower, who ended up uh, going to Harvard to work with um, uh, She, she was, her mentor was Dick Chait who started the governance as leadership program. And that, that's another great book. And um, okay, wait, stop. Tell us what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Governance is leadership or payment. Let me, I'm going to pull it up here. So I make sure. sure that, yeah. We got time for you to Google yeah, governance. Yeah. Cause that way if you go to Amazon uh, and I will, uh, yeah, Kathy Trower is T-O-W-E-R. And Kathy Trower, the, everybody. Yeah. And she, she did governance as leadership is really the pivotal book that came out addressing boards. Now think about that, right? I mean, how many, books came out addressing boards, but they were looking at it at an institutional level. And uh, so if we, if we rewind a bit, so Kathy was at, at Johns Hopkins in the graduate school there. And I think a pivotal moment is I have been 
working and listening and observing a lot of these uh, C-level executives. And I came up to her and I said, you know, I think what we're teaching in our MBA programs isn't what they're really looking for. And she goes, what are they looking for? I says, well, here's what I'm learning. So I put together this whole syllabus and she said, okay, teach it. <laughs> and that well, was see what like, happens. You, you got like, voluntold. Yeah, so, so it was fabulous because I really enjoyed teaching. And then, and of course, then I started getting in touch with, uh, that's where the Oxford University research uh, started unfolding with the samurai manuscript. Um, and that was good. I was, I was so, I love being a teacher. That was probably a moment when I realized I love being a teacher. That's great. That's great. Well, I, my mind, I have a very imaginative mind. I mean, I can go like stir up a picture in my mind in a skinny second. So like when you received the samurai manuscript, like how did you get it? Was it a picture of what was something uh, on parchment paper? I mean, like what, oh, okay. what did you get and how did you translate it? And how did well, all that work? Dr. Al Sadler, like who's over half a century, maybe 75 years ago, um, had translated it uh, back in Australia. He was a great um, researcher of ancient um, Asian manuscripts and did a lot of stellar work on that area. But Oxford had the um, had his estate in terms of his uh, his writings, and so I found one of his translations in a book. Nice. And uh, I called them and I said, you know, I really want to use this. Now it was there as an ancient document. It wasn't like a new management thing. It was just part of what. He had translated in a series of books, but I found it, ironically, I was, a lot of my research that, you know, you see in the courses and, and in my speeches and workshops is, is from expeditions I've taken to extreme environments around the world. So in this particular one, I was working on some sort of tribal leadership phenomena. This is before tribes was a thing. Now every book has tribes in the title, but back then it was like, oh, you can't talk about that. It's politically incorrect. I'm like, no, there's something here. And I was in the Himalayas studying a lost civilization. And after about a month of living in the mountains with the Sherpas and, and, the, and the teams we had, we played, we get bored, you know, you get bored because there's no TV. There's, you know, you haven't seen electricity. There's in no internet. There's just nothing there. So it was a fortune telling game. And um, it was a, that somebody brought in from Tibet, which was kind of close by. And it was, so it was my turn. And, and you had to use a problem in your life. And I had been having a problem with my agent and getting this book, like the, the theme together, the, the structure together. And, um, and the result of this fortune telling game was the message give it up or you can't move on. And so when I finally get back to the States, so we came back through Japan and back to the States. And it wasn't in Japan that I found this book, but I called my agent, said, we're done. I'm just, I'm giving the project up. And then I was, you know, Disney has a, an institute down there and I've actually yes. spoken there and I brought a lot of CEOs through their institute. And I, I love Disney World. So um, Me too. I'm in Epcot Center at the Japan Pavilion. And of course, I've, been there. All, I've had sushi there. I'm with you, man. Great <laughs> sushi, right? And and as you know, these are people from their native countries and the products right. from their native countries. So it's like a mini like embassy experience and you're really there. So anyway, they in their bookstore, I was scanning and I, and I just had this fishbowl effect on this book by Al Sadler. And I, I just went over to it, opened up Dr. Sadler's work. And at that point, everything changed. Mm. And I ran back to my agent. <laughs> and literally in a few months, I had a manuscript, had a publisher, 
and it's yeah so that's that's how it happened i wish i could say it was some you know something sexier than just running into a bookstore right well tell <laughs> us the name of your book tell us the name of your oh, book. The, the code of the executive and uh yeah it's still selling well and um we we built on that you know over over the years but the code the code of the executive was really the my restructuring of that manuscript that so we could apply it better in business. And it was interesting philosophy to see how the samurai taught. I mean, and the beginning of it, beginning of it was that we all as leaders have to remember we must die someday. And for some reason, when you remember that, your ego starts loosening its grip. Mm -hmm. And now we know from some of the psychiatric models we've done at Johns Hopkins University, um, what's probably really going on, because it's really unhooking that, that, that base part of the brain for survival. Because if you're already dead, there's nothing left to do, right? And the opening is there for power and freedom. And so that was good. And we've used it in another book. Like I ended up writing with Chris Warner for the NBC project, okay. um, which was interesting because he, uh, he ended up getting 11 nominated for 11 Emmy Awards for that project, uh, where I was climbing with Chris in the Andes when I met him. And I had this great research idea. Let's study humans in death zones. And he lives in death zone. So I thought, what a great guy. And he partnered with me on this book. It was a fabulous book. Um, but in the book, we began to see the same thing happening. Uh, and so we wrote a book on high altitude leadership. And that uh, that came out. That was a, a bestseller on Amazon when it was released. So it's it's been fun. But you see the common theme through all of my books and articles. And um, it's not, it's like I said, it's, it's an amazing insight that was created centuries ago. You know, I've, I, I had, I had, when I was giving a speech somewhere and this uh, monk came up and he says, you know, I finally understand what's over the doorway of my monastery. <laughs> I was That's like, fantastic. It's like something about death to self. And he's like, finally, it, 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 it makes sense. So I, you know, I love doing this work and I love helping um, companies become stronger with it. And we have a lot more to learn. So we have a lot more projects going on. So stay tuned. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Well, so, you know, you said you began to apply the code of the executive. So uh, I've got listeners that are wanting to understand, you know, like, is there something I could take from this conversation and I could begin to apply it? Is there like a, a to-do, a habit, um, uh, some kind of strategy that you could share with us, you know, that they could take with them as they think about, uh, they're going to go on Amazon to buy the book though, Code of the Executive and also High Altitude Leadership. Don't oh, miss that everybody. Yes. Yes. Uh, but if they wanted to apply something to begin to work on dismantling that ego, what what would they do? Well, the, it's funny you say that because we I have been uh, asked that question a lot. And then during COVID, I didn't have a lot of time to do anything but sit home, right? I mean, we were all quarantined out. And that's when I started this little movie studio in my cigar room. And learned how to do filming and editing. And I thought, let's just give away some micro courses. And one of the micro courses is actually in that. But what I'm doing, it's really simple, three, four minute videos, but I'll tell you what, what it was in there. First is looking at, you know, what am I afraid of or what's holding me back? You know, where do I feel like I'm, I'm not as powerful, but I could be. And that's a good place to start, right? And you know, this is a coach because you, you lead people through this all the time. And, and it's in that point of looking at, okay, what am I attached to? 
You know, what am I afraid of losing? What's causing some fear that is holding you back? And that's a great place to start because in that, if you just let die whatever it is you're attached to, on the other side of that conversation is a whole new freedom. And I think that's what the samurai were thinking about. And 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 in that becoming samurai course, the last two things I want people to seek, and maybe this is a good answer to the question, is the one thing that CEOs are missing in their companies, and the one thing that all leaders want to see in the people that they're developing as leaders is something that we're not teaching, and it's bravery and honor. Hmm. And what if we had bravery and honor and, and all this selfishness and fear vanishes in a person, that person's going to stand out. You know, are you brave enough to call someone out when you know it's not right? Are you brave enough to give your boss feedback? Are you brave enough to hear the feedback, you know, from your boss talking to you as to what you need to do? And are you honorable enough not to violate your own ethics or, or the values of your company? So I really think we need to teach more bravery and honor courses. Yeah, I love that. And I'm kind of just hearing this, you know, huge concept of the quality of your character. Oh. You know, like the samurai is yeah. is a is a man of character, you know, or integrity, you know. And uh, you know, it's funny you're you're talking about this, Don, because one of the, one of the things I say when I speak in front of groups is I talk about my coaching methodology, and it's called Shine because you know I'm the vibrant coach. But the I in shine is integrity. And I tell people all the time, yes. I'm like, you know, people are very confused about integrity. Because if if I asked everybody in this room, mm -hmm. are you a man or a woman of integrity? You would all immediately shoot your hands up and say, yes. But, mm -hmm. but the thing about it is, is that integrity comes and goes, you know, from one yeah. thought, one word, one deed. And yeah. I think the, the samurai had this training around bravery and honor yeah. that made him be more in an integrity, more in integrity. Yes. Um, and so that, that would be, you know, the code, right? Yeah, exactly. In fact, if you, uh, if you look at the book, that's actually the third term they were using there. And you'll see integrity mentioned throughout their entire manuscript. And they even mapped it out. I mean, this is a brilliant way. It was like they would do a case study test. And it was like, well, if you were with a friend somewhere and they had all this money and they died and no one knew, what would you do? You know, and it had several levels of integrity. You know, one being, of course, well, I might think about keeping it. Okay, that's one That's level. right. I'm, I'm, I'm headed out of here. <laughs> you know, all the way up to why well, would give it back to his family. So there's, so you're right. It's, it's, it's almost like, it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray areas there and that's what oh, we're yes. teaching. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. Cause the, the, the samurai is just constantly, there's a, probably a daily ritual. Like in my mind, I think back to ancient days, there's, there were a mm. lot of rituals. I'm not so sure that uh, today's people have a really great ritual. You know, there was a book, um, it was Hal Higdon. I think he wrote uh, miracle mornings. And oh, yeah. he was he was saying you get up and you do this these ritual he called them habits I think but rituals yeah. are habits every single morning and it will set you in place and I bet that's what the samurai did he yeah. got his head together every single day there was a lot of stuff they did I and mean, they they said that you must study the arts 
you must study. I mean, it was it was not just fighting and battle and warfare. You had to right. balance yourself and learn these things. So, and you see this in some of the samurai films. And I think we lost that ourselves. I think we're unbalanced. We're stressed out. We're easily manipulated by various forces because we don't have that center. But um, hopefully, uh, we can make a dent in the world somewhere and re reawaken that. Oh, that's awesome. That's all awesome. Okay. So everybody, here's what you need to do. You need to go check out Don and his uh, website. Tell us again, Don, where we can find you on the web. Sure. It's Saga Leadership, S-A-G-A, -A, like the, the Viking thing, sagaleadership.com. And, um, you know, and actually it, we're doing, um, we're doing, let me see if we can find out that we're doing some stuff that I really want because people like you are inspiring me to like give a lot of the stuff away and really get out there to, to, to make it all happen. And I think it's, um, so we're generating a wait list. So if you do slash wait list, I think it's going to take you to a page to sign up on stuff. And, okay. um, and we learn a lot from, you know, people like you, the mission they were on, cause we had a conversation earlier and I was inspired by, you know, what you're up to, but it's that, it's that spirit that I think is um, going to change things because one of the things I learned about leadership is oh, I know we're expecting, I, I know we're expecting our, politicians and even our religious leaders to change the world. And you know, over history, the only thing that's changed the world was mercantilism, business. When, and if you read uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel, it was like, it was that, it was business. Wait, tell us again, Guns what? Guns, Germs, and Steel. And that was a Pulitzer book written, God, maybe 15 years ago now. And this guy did an incredible research on why did civilization occur the way it did. And it's business, it's the traders, it's the merchants. It's, and so you're coaching executives, that's changing the world more than I think any political movement. And, and so hopefully we can do a good job doing that and change the world for the better. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, one last question and I'm sure. gonna let you go. Although I would like to pick your brain for about another hour. We're gonna let you go, uh, maybe have you back after we uh, have, sure. have have this episode out there. But well, um, if you were mentoring, you know, one special leader, you know, and you were, you were gonna say, you know, if nothing else, here's what I want you to do. What, what, what would be your advice to that one special leader listener? That's a good question because every leader has their own journey ahead. I think, um, I think no matter which leader it would be, I'm trying to, well, what are some of the basic sources of it all? And I think it would be to take honorable action without anger. And believe me, this is not, this is a struggle I have, you know, to be in a space where um, you can proceed according to your, your dignity and your honor. And there's a great story if I can leave you with this one. Yes, leave us and, with a story. And uh, you might have heard this. Uh, but there's a story where this samurai, uh, he apparently he's chasing this robber down and he this, uh, this just uh, an unscrupulous character and he's done a lot of bad things and the samurai finally catches him and the guy's on his knees and the samurai standing up and takes the sword out of his sheath and goes to cut his head off Ooh. and the, uh, the guy spits on him and the samurai puts the sword back in his sheath and walks away doing nothing to the guy. Somebody asks, why? You were, you were right there. You caught him. Your justice was to be served. And he said, um, I couldn't. He says, 
I was angry. Oh my goodness. I get it. So you, we've got to be in a place where we're not operating out of our amygdala back here, right? right. We're doing the honorable thing with our prefrontal cortex up here. <laughs> I got it. All right. That is an awesome story. All right. So, Don, it has been an absolute delight to have you on the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Everybody go out there to Saga Leadership. Go by Code of the Executive and High Altitude Leadership and make yourself a better leader and have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. Ready to up your leadership game? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her unique SHINE method to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Email speaking at vibrantcoaching.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at vibrantcoaching.com slash TED talk.